you for joining us for this week's podcast. My name is Pastor Otis Barnett. I pastor right here at Calvary Church. And in this series, Drawing Near, we are exploring heaven's invitation to come before the throne of God, to be transformed, and then to be sent out to be fruitful. Psalm chapter 1 describes the blessed man who meditates on God's word. That person is a person who will bear fruit. Their leaves, it says, they don't wither and they actually prosper. They break out of the cycles that they have been trapped in. Our prayer is that these principles would be life altering for you. We are praying that as you apply these principles to your life, you experience all of the fruitfulness that God has intended for you. Now prepare your hearts for God's word. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 4. I do have to tell you, today I'm going to be preaching uh, about the corporate discipline of worship part 2. And I I do want to say this uh, uh, to you as we get started today, um, that today's lesson is way more devotional in nature um, in that we're going to hear something And then we're going to do something as a church. You know, it's not enough for us to hear principles about worship without then stepping into that moment of encounter. You see, in John chapter 4, and you can begin there in verse 23, there's a woman at a well who has an encounter with Jesus. And he speaks some of the most defining scriptures on worship, which is, this, which is a place where God's grace comes and changes us. As we lift him up in praise, he says these words to this woman at the well. It says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is Jesus giving us the well-defined banks of how to approach God, that it must be done in both spirit and in truth. That it's not, we don't just just worship anything and call it God. We need to know who he is. We need to know who his only son is. We need to to know that uh, that that what real worship is, uh, isn't doing our own thing. Real worship is, is bowing low to who he is and say, you are God and I am not. It means to attribute worth. Proscunio, the word used here, literally means to kiss toward. It means to get low. It's to value the space between us. Saying, you're so much larger and greater. And it's in that space of worship that God releases His presence. That God releases His power. And His grace comes upon us to change us. I asked a question. I pulled aside our staff this week. And and, uh, I said, 
Tell me. Tell me your worship story. Tell me about the time where you were worshiping the Lord and he gloriously touched and changed your life. And we shared our stories going around and around and around. And you know what each of us found? He said, we forgot most everything else that was surrounding that moment. I told everybody, I said, I, I have no idea what the message was on that day. By the way, I'm kind of hoping you'll forget this one. <laughs> not because it's not good, but because he's so good. And that when he comes into the room, you forget everything else. You're like, oh, God, you've come near to me. And that's, that's really the heart of worship and the heart of Christianity. It is not us trying to get near to God. It is simply God coming near to us. He's coming near. I love what James says. He's drawn near to God. And what will God do? He will draw near to us. In church, we have to position ourselves to be true worshipers of God. We're not people who worship other things and God. We simply worship Him. Worship is our response to who God is and what He has done. And I want to say this to you, worship is kindled in you when His Spirit touches our spirit. It's interactive. It is like you have a face-to-face -face meeting with the Lord and He then changes you. That's why it's important to understand that our singing and our praying and our praising, they may all lead to worship, but we haven't worshipped until, until His Spirit touches our spirit. And ignites our hearts with his divine flame. The last time I spoke, and you can go and listen on calvary.online, we talked about how worship has got to be our priority, that he is our number one, that, that we are to worship God and worship him alone. Uh, Jesus defines these terms for us. Not only is worship to be our priority, but worship has to be our passion. That thing which we say, I am going to cut other things away so that I can worship the Lord with my brothers and sisters and see God come into the room. You see, worship many times isn't about what you're going to receive, but it's about what God wants to release. I shared that uh, in, in last week's message that, that in, in Acts chapter 16, it was, it was Paul and Silas in a prison at midnight after being beaten and wrongly accused. They lift up their voices and begin to sing hymns. And God so draws near that he shakes the very foundation of the prison. And every door flies open and every chain falls off. Not just off of Paul and Silas, but every prisoner and the idea is is that worship has to be our passion not just because of what we can receive but what God wants to release corporately and so we obey the psalmist in Psalm 34 when he says oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together well let me tell you one of our other responsibilities connected to worship is this, is worship is our participation. Worship is our participation. 
Um, let me say it this way. Worship is not a spectator sport. Worship services, you're not worshiping when you're watching. You're just watching. This is not worship. When is this going to be over? You know, it's not in those moments where we receive anything from the Lord. It's in these moments where we say, God, whatever you want to do in me. I don't care if I know the lyric to the next song. God, I set my eyes on you. You come and do in me whatever you want to do. Worship's not a spectator sport. We are called to engage with the Spirit of the Lord in every biblical uh, posture and practice. This is how we get to participate. Listen to Psalm 100 verse 4. It says, enter his gates. Do you, do, you, do you hear the command of the Lord? We're to come into the gates, his gates, with thanksgiving. How many of you understand that thanksgiving would be an amazing attitude to bring to church on Sunday morning? Just coming in, man, I get to go to the house of God. It may have been painful all week, but I'm going to meet with the king of kings with my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to be thankful for if for nothing else, I'm still breathing and Jesus is still on the throne. We enter his courts with thanksgiving, and, and we come into his courts with praise. That's, that, that's a hallels. That's, that's this word. It, means, it, it literally means shouts. Means to lift our voice. We come into his court saying, God, you're wonderful, and I'm declaring it so others can hear. It says, Be thankful to him and bless his name. Psalm 33 1 says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. How many of you ever had this thought? I remember I grew up in a, uh, in a very mainstream church, an expression in worship was turning the page of the hymnal. That's the only expression we got. I can remember coming into an environment much like this, where people started lifting their hands. And then they showed me in the Word that, that God is calling us to lift holy hands to the Lord without wrath and doubting. And I, I can remember the first time I lifted up my hands, I thought, oh no, everybody's looking at me. Uh, you know, and here's what, here's what my thought was. Wow, I really look weird. And yet the word says, praise from the upright is what? It's beautiful. And if we, get, if we become more aware of his presence than we do other people's presence, we'll enter into true worship. We'll enter into true, true worship. It's beautiful when people dance. It's not weird. It's beautiful. When, when people celebrate what God is doing in their life. It's beautiful. It's beautiful when people live holy and dedicated to the Lord. It's not weird. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's why Psalm 34 one says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Have you ever been around those people? Just can't talk about anything but Jesus. Yeah, come on. You used to be that person. Remember the first three weeks when you were saved? Come on. You first had an encounter with God, you couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And somewhere along the line, somebody said, you know, you need to calm that down. You're going to offend people. You're a Bible thumper. You're going to shove the Bible down people's throats, you know, and all this kind of other nonsense. Somewhere along the line, we bought a lie. 
That, the, that it's not beautiful to tell of his wonderful works. It is beautiful and it's becoming that his praise should continually be in our mouth. I was getting my boy's haircut the other day down a local barbershop. And, and a, a, a dear saint, which all of you know in the house, who I think has probably witnessed to half of the population of Citrus County, the whole barbershop told me about her. Yeah. Y'all know. Some of you just said her name. Yeah. They said, yeah, the first time she was in here, she just walked right back, and she's praying over us, and she's telling us. And, and you know, we're just convinced now that if we were to ever go to church anywhere else, it'd be to your church. I said, well, Amazing. You know why? Because it's good and it's, it's upright to lift up his name. And I know what you, you, you think. You kind of think, well, I don't know if I could do that. You could. You could. When worship becomes your priority, when you've had an encounter with the Lord, Hebrews 13, 15, it says, listen, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Listen, church, we have to engage in spirit-led, spirit-directed worship. That includes singing. That includes dancing. That includes bowing. That includes lying prostrate on the floor. It includes shouting. It includes clapping. It includes praying in the Holy Spirit and other postures as well. Now, here's the other side. Now, we do have to allow the Holy Spirit to direct us about which of those forms is beneficial and will produce what he wants to produce in the moment. How many of you understand that there's some moments that shouting isn't appropriate? That we're holy and still before the Lord. And other times being holy and still is totally inappropriate because we should be shouting and praising and leaping. See, worship we have to engage in. I know some of us we're just saying, well, I don't sing. Well, what you're really saying is, I don't sing well. Because everybody can sing. Our fir- former pastor said, I keep my volume down because if I sing out loud, it sounds like a, a calf that is dying. Okay, that's how he described his singing. But you know what we'd find him doing? Singing. We're singing. Uh, let, me, let me just give you some Bible. For those of you who just love God's word, you love to elevate your word, you say, man, I'm more of a word person than I am a worship person. Well, let's get into the word because 41 times in the book of Psalms, God commands us, commands us to sing to the Lord. So you're not telling Pastor Luke or the worship team or Pastor Otis, no. You're standing in the face of 41 commands in the book of Psalms saying, God, I don't think so. Now, uh, some of us, we, we, we need to control our volume a little bit so as not to be a t- distraction to other people. But you know, it's beautiful when you lift up your voice, no matter, no matter if you, you say, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Well, get, get a bucket, get a bigger bucket. I don't know what you got to do, but you've got to start lifting up your voice to the Lord. You've got to start engaging with the Spirit of God. 
We've got to engage as a, as, a, as a body with the Spirit of the Lord. And when we lift Him up, God comes and does the miraculous. Many people have asked, well, what's the connection with the music and the worship? Why do we dedicate so much time uh, to it in our services? Here's, here's, let me just give you a, a few scriptures. Psalm 33, verse 2 says, Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully. There's a good word. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Now, we're not supposed to just come up here, and if you can't play, you're probably not going to be on the worship team. Why? Because we're to play skillfully. We don't want whatever happens on the stage to be a distraction to the corporate body. We're going to do it well. We're going to do it with excellence. And we're going to do it with instruments. Listen to Psalm 108. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your mercy is great above the heavens. And your truth reaches the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. And your glory above the earth. Listen, you see, it, it's saying, listen, with, with instruments, we're declaring the praise of God. I also want to say it this way and give you a, another Old Testament example. Gifts inside of you get activated in a moment of worship. The gifts and the callings of God, the very destiny in you gets awakened in a genuine time of worship and 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 14, it says, And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Can you understand that? He does not want to talk to the person he's talking to. This is not a good moment. He is in a moment of conflict. Look at what he says. But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. It was in that moment that Elisha said, bring a musician. Because I've got to get out of this place of frustration and get into the presence of the Lord. And when he got into the presence of the Lord, what happened? The hand of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of God came upon him. Listen, we're not here to just sing good songs. We are here to have an encounter with the living God. And he has made a way through his only son, Jesus Christ. If we repent and believe, he'll wash us and make us clean. That is only the door that opens up to a lifetime of encounter with God in worship. I want to invite our worship team back up. Psalm 150, the, the completion of the book of Psalms says it this way. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Do you, do you see this church? That there is a call to all of the earth. 
to worship God. I think the only reason that one should not worship if they are not, have not yet experienced the saving grace of God. If you're not born again, you don't have a reason to worship. Except this, you're still alive and there's still grace for you. There's still a God who's holding his arms out to you today. He's still saying, I'll forgive you. You just repent. You turn from that old life and you turn to him. You say, God, I'm done with my old life. I'm done running from you. You turn, you repent, and you run to him. And you believe that God sent his only son to die on a cross. To pay the price for our sins. There's no other way but to repent and believe. But everyone who has experienced the free gift of salvation, our life should be perpetual praise. Romans 6.13 in the New Living Translation says this, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument for evil to serve in. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Do you hear that, church? Give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You say, worship isn't just about this experience that we can have in here. It is about the worship experience that leads to holy obedience. It leads to a life that is transformed where we give ourselves wholly to God. That our, our whole self becomes an instrument of righteousness in this community, on our jobs, in our families. True worship ends in holy obedience. And walking out different actually saves our worship services from being uh, some kind of religious opiate to soothe us in our pain and walk out the same. We don't want our worship services to, to, to be another addiction that leaves us the same. We want it to be a holy addiction that brings us into the presence of God that transforms who we are so we live, we leave radically different. True worship is where spirit touches our spirit. And every time it leads to an encounter where we confess our sins and our shortcomings. And then when the washing comes from the God of grace, we become like Isaiah who had this open heaven experience. Who saw the Lord high and lifted up. In the year King Uzziah died, it says, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe, it filled the temple, and there were angels shouting back and forth, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he says, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in a nation filled with people of unclean lips. The mouthpiece of God says, My lips are unclean compared to the God that I've seen. And it was in that moment that the angel flew, took a coal from the altar, and the coal came down and touched his lips and purged his sin and cleansed him can I just say you say there that's a type of what Christ did God's holy fiery love was sent down in the form of Jesus 
And he came down. And to all who would by faith receive it, he would touch and cleanse. It was in Isaiah 6 that after that moment of cleansing, he would hear the call of heaven. And the call of heaven says, who will go for me? Who will go for me? Those in that moment of worship that Isaiah was caught up in, he, he said, Here am I. I'm not an angel. I'm not a glorious being around the throne. I'm a man recently forgiven. Here am I. Send me. And make no mistake, church. That is what God desires for us to encounter week after week in this place. That spirit would touch spirit. That we would say, God, I sense those things in my life that I want you to just change. So here I am presenting myself again in worship. Declaring who you are. Declaring your goodness. Thanking you for all that you've done. Thanking you for your mercy. But Lord, I'm stepping out in this moment and reaching out. Believing that you are going to draw near to me. Worship is our participation. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast from our series titled Drawing Near. Remember, we are invited to draw near to God by His grace. Never forget, God sent His only Son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins through His death, burial, and resurrection. And our hope for you is that you accept heaven's invitation to come close, to be forgiven of all sin, and to begin a lifestyle of heartfelt worship by praying to receive Christ as your Savior today. Would you take the time to connect with us and share what God is doing in your life through this ministry? You can do that through our website at calvary.online or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you again for listening to this message and God bless you.